All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Hello again, and welcome to Primitive Screwheads Talk Horror. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect this member and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2008 film Eden Lake. Uh, So this one kind of came out of left field. We were just kind of going over the movies that we have to review in our big list or just horror movies we're interested in. And we decided to go ahead and kind of touch on this one right here. So this is definitely more of a thriller set in the English countryside. And the antagonists are a bunch of British hooligans, also known as chavs. Um, Although I don't think chav is specifically age neutral um i i think it is nature age neutral i don't think it specifically pertains to teenagers but anyway damn who mm. basically this movie right here but before we get into that uh andrew how the hell are you doing i am doing great i i woke up this morning and i beat uh resident evil 4 so Ooh, that's, the remake yeah the, sorry, yeah the remake and it's you know it feels good to get it out of the way I, I will say i really enjoyed playing through it but when i got to the end that's kind of right for it to be over so uh you know i, I I'm, I'm sure i'll go back to it like i you know like i always did the original but uh I'm glad to have that complete, partly because I was waiting on Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, I was waiting mm-hmm. to do that until I beat this game, so I want to make sure that I, you know, at least finish one of the games before I start a new one, so I'm really excited to hop into that. Um, but yeah. yeah, first, it is really nice that Resident Evil games are much quicker. Like, once you know the game, it's so much quicker to get through, and it's actually pretty fun to speedrun those games, honestly, because there's just so much tips and tricks you can do to save time, especially in the older games, the like the original Ari and that sort of thing. Uh, mm. Two, yeah, I'm about halfway through right now. I'm nearing the end of the castle level, but Tears of the Kingdom did come and kind of come out, and that's taking up a lot of my time. Um, and additionally, as well, Final Fantasy 16 comes out in like three weeks, so oh, um, there, there's there's a lot of great games coming out that I'm very excited for. So yeah, I don't know when I'm going to finish Resident Evil, but I'll finish it eventually. Mm. Well, I feel it's like also what... too like I've beaten the game like. I've had mm-hmm. seven or eight times across multiple different platforms throughout my life. So I'm kind of just like, yeah, this is great. But at the same time, like, I'm not interested in, I know where the story goes and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's a compliment to the games, to, to the game makers or just to our experience with it. But I do feel like it's a game that like I can pick, I can, you know, put down and pick up pretty consistently without like forgetting what I'm doing or the mm-hmm. mechanics of it. But I feel like with um, with Horizon Zero Dawn, every time I put that game down and come back to it after like you know, a couple of weeks, I have completely forgotten the mechanics and how to play. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel like Resident Evil is very well designed, or just you know, again, just we know it very well. Such that I feel like it's mm-hmm. one of those games that you can hop in between with other games really easily. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's it's a time. It's like personally, if you had gun to my head, what are like the top fifty video games of all time? Resident Evil Four would definitely be at that list. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of just how influential it was to the rest of the industry and. How much it changed, just everything. So, good stuff. Yeah. But yeah. How about you? How are things going with you? Uh, good, good. Uh, just got back from my hometown of Chicago. We spent a few days there. My cousin got married, so we were able to kind of go ahead and attend her wedding. And this is one of like the last cousins who has not been married. So finally, I have a lot of cousins, and basically throughout like the last two decades it's all just been like weddings 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 uh but they did not play the cha-cha slide which i was very <gasps> happy to see he was great the dj wow. wasn't very good but he did not play the cha-cha slide so 
very, very happy about that. Um, but it was pretty funny, though, because uh, my cousin and her now husband are very non-traditional, and I knew like they were going to goof around in the wedding in some aspect. And one thing they did, which I absolutely loved, is they got out on up. The entire ceremony was like five minutes. It was very quick. Um, but they got on up, and then her vows were, um, and I quote, lyrics from the book of T.A. Swift, and it was just Taylor Swift lyrics. And then his vows were literally just the scientific chemical makeup of love and just reading off all these scientific names of just like, you know, here's all the endorphins that go into the sensation of love and here's this and here's that. And it was so dry and it was so hilarious. Like half the people were so confused about what the hell is going on here. <laughs> and then the other half were just like, oh my God, they're completely trolling us. This is wonderful. Um, but my favorite was in the I do portion. Um, so, you know, hey, do you take this person to be your lawfully loved wife? I do. Do you take this person to be your lawfully wedded husband? And then my cousin turns and goes, I can't. And then she pulls up a tub of I can't believe it's not butter from under the altar. <laughs> and goes, believe it's not butter. And I'm just like, this is, this is amazing. I love this so much. There's a... Um, there's a video of the entire thing online and you can hear my laugh just like piercing <laughs> through there. I was, I was laughing way too loud, but it was great. So yeah, but oh. overall it was a really fun wedding. Uh, really enjoyable. Everyone had a good time as far as I can see, but uh, yeah, all good. All good. Oh, that's good. Yep. I think it is wedding season now, isn't it? It's, ugh. Yeah. So, so all the weddings all over the place. Yeah, um, but yeah, we don't have any yeah plans until our trip in September, so it's kind of nice not to have anything like okay, yeah, the big big important stuff for the spring is over with. Now we're in summer month and we have nothing planned for the summer until September, so it's great. Hey, yeah. yeah. How, how hot is it down there? I imagine like so. I'm I'm, I'm in the north yeah. part of the northern east, and it's like today yeah. it's like fifty, but like normally it's been like eighty to ninety. What, what's it been like down there? Uh, it is currently right now. I'm in North Carolina, and it is currently 90 degrees. So yeah, it's 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 pretty hot, and the humidity is all over the place. Like like the, like every dad who's ever been a dad says, it's not the heat that gets humid; it's the humidity. And yeah, that that is so dad. Works. Like you know, I've realized like partly this movie made me realize how how old I am, but my thoughts about the youth. But also like <laughs> uh, I've like. I've become that kind of person who's like, we really need some rain for our lawn. I really, you know, my grass needs some, needs some rain. <laughs> there was a, that was a great segue, but there was something I want to touch on real quick that I sent my wife on over. Um, okay, so it was basically a picture that's just like, how dad are you? And I'm going to go through these, okay? And you're going to check to see if this is something you're going to say or not, okay? Mm -hmm. And I just want to, listeners, neither of us are dads. We, we just have a lot of pets. Neither of us want kids. But anyway, <laughs> um, so how dad are you, Andrew? Have you ever said the phrase, oh, guess it's free then? No, I haven't. Okay, good. <laughs> How about when you have a stud finder and you put it against yourself and you said, found it. I don't have a stud finder. Okay, gotcha. When a kid has a minor injury, do you joke and say, looks like we'll have to amputate? You know, I haven't had that opportunity yet. Gotcha. How about okay. let's rock and roll when it's time to leave? Absolutely not. Okay. What about if you walk into a bar and you see a friend come on in and you say, well, I guess we'll just let anyone in there. No, absolutely not. Okay. I was just dressed in my eyes when you fall asleep on the couch. I, I don't know if I've ever actually said that, but I've said something analogous to it. Gotcha. How about people don't know how to drive in this town in every single town you're ever in? 
Can I just say that about Mass? I say that about Massachusetts in general. Any, <laughs> any, I fucking hate Massachusetts, like driving, and I constantly say I need to go back to Vermont because people here either they don't know how to drive or they willingly choose not to know how to drive. I think a big part of that Massachusetts is just the roads. Like the roads are as big a problem as anything else. Honestly, That's true. yeah. Um, um, but the very, very last one, uh, we needed this rain every single time it rains. Yep, yep, that's me. That's yep, me. Yep, yep, there we go right that's there. Me. Or how about this one? Look, horses when driving past horses. Nope, I don't think so. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right. not, you know, I feel like I have a, a lot of old dadisms, but, you know, I guess not. Yeah, Man, I guess not. I think I, I failed. I just sent you it so you can check that off. There were like 10 more on there, but we'll continue on that front. Ah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, we'll go into our movie then. Uh, speaking of the youth and the children and fuck them kids and everything like that. Like, not literally, but like, those kids are awful. Um, this <laughs> We're going to go ahead and talk about Eden Lake, uh, which is a 2008 horror movie. Um, it is quite a film. I was the one who suggested this and put this on the list, and I don't remember where I got it. But from seeing this movie, I think think it was some sort of reddit topic where people talking about you know what are the most like depressing endings in all of horror movies or something like that and uh this 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 one definitely takes the cake uh it's mm-hmm. uh definitely up there on that front um we're gonna go ahead and give our general impressions of this movie and then we're gonna go a little bit into spoiler territory uh this is a movie that does have quite a few twists and turns throughout so if you are interested in it i would recommend dropping off at the spoiler mark on that front uh but basically the premise of this movie is We have our two main characters, Steve and Jenny, um, who are upper middle class, and they decide to spend some time at a lake that Steve used to visit as a child or a quarry um, that's in the unnamed English countryside in the eponymous town of Eden Lake. And throughout the entire movie, they're basically harassed by the locals, specifically a group of British hooligan teenagers, and things just kind of start to escalate from there. Um, so it is kind of a thriller, a little bit of a cat and mouse style through the woods sort of um, movie. But um, it is a very tense movie, and there's definitely not a lot of room for any sort of comedy or hope or anything like that. It is just a slow descent into despair throughout the entire movie. Um, the other thing as well that I do want to kind of make mention of is it's a very realistic movie in terms of there's nothing supernatural, there's nothing too outrageous i mean there's definitely a lot of outrageous stuff but like everything in this movie is theoretically possible um and a big part of this movie as well which i think is going to be a major theme we touch on over and over again is this movie has been criticized quite a bit and this is kind of getting into a little bit of british politics but a lot of it are kind of seeing this movie as somewhat fear-mongering specifically by the tories which is the conservative party in um england in terms of hey this is what you're these what's happening to britain broken britain was a big slogan by the time this movie when this movie came out about yeah all the blue collar workers are riffraff like what you see in this movie and they're going to go ahead and they're going to steal your daughters and you know completely destroy your homes and you know murder you and that sort of thing so it's um yeah, it's kind of interesting reading the background behind this movie and just the politics at the time in the UK when this movie was released uh, because it was very much a reflection on, at the very least, the Tory party um, view of what Britain was like at that time. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, until Before we do that, uh, Andrew, what did you think of Eden Lake? I really enjoyed it. Um, I 
I like this is a topic that like this I think this is like a really good horror movie um and just like atmosphere wise um I had a really fun time with it I think I had a lot of fun kind of dreading it I guess like I really thought the characters were likable our two main characters I really liked Steve and um Jenny I like some of the side characters now before um, we do that mm-hmm. so Steve can you tell me who Steve's played by Steve is played by, and this is probably why I love why why I was immediately into it. So it's played by Michael Fassbender, who uh, is David Eight, and he's Walter in the Alien Covenant uh, and Alien and Prometheus movies. He's also Magneto in uh, the uh, X Men movies, X-Men and you know, so, yeah, he's, he's so he's also in Hard, you know, great, great. Yeah. Uh, but this was one of his. I mean, like he was in Band of Brothers beforehand, and he was in Three Hundred as well. But I feel like this was this movie was created when he was very he wasn't as well known. So it's kind of nice to see a non-famous Michael Fassbender in his small little horror movie role on this front. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I I really liked it. And I I thought it like, I knew where, like I knew where it's going. I kept hoping it was going to go in a different direction. Um, But like, I think it's, it's one of those movies that I think I like, I know you you mentioned that there's this, um, you know, the, the British, uh, like obviously the place where this takes place in time and the, the politics going on around it. But I was actually really viewing it kind of through our modern politics and like what kids and YouTubers and stuff are doing now. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting to kind of, I think some, some of the, like the craziness of the youth and the parents defending them, I think is something that's really present. and something that I think I feel we've seen in education. And I think that, you know, we're seeing more and more as kids do dumber and dumber things. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of the accountability isn't really there. Uh, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this it. This is definitely the boomer <laughs> episode of uh, Permanent Screwheads Talk Horror. Permanent <laughs> Screwheads turn into boomers. That's what it is at this point right there. Um, but no, I definitely think a lot of the themes in the movie in terms of just like the youth are ungrateful and that sort of thing are very much universal. Um, I mean, that there's like ancient Greek writings where Plato was literally saying, oh, the youth of today are, you know, so awful and they have so much disrespect towards the elder generation. And I remember reading that and I was just like, yep, nothing's changed. Everyone still thinks the exact same way and they will continue to think that for the rest of time. So, um, but yeah, no, I definitely feel there's a lot of themes that a lot of people are still feeling and kind of relate to a lot as well. Um, so it's not just something that appeared in back in 2008 but also can be reflected in current times as well mm-hmm. yep um but yeah no i this kind of fits into me as one of those movies where it is definitely a feel bad movie it is not a feel good movie it is not a your next style thing where um it, it is a movie where just like it is hopeless throughout the entire movie and continues to be hopeless throughout the entire movie um if you've seen funny games that mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of that one as well um where it's just kind of depressing the whole way through um but because of that i mean that is the aim but it is a very good in terms of that aim and what it sets out to do like the atmosphere is extremely oppressive the twists hit you like a gut punch several different times um and it is very very good for what it sets out to do would I see this movie again anytime soon? Absolutely not. Um, I kind of feel the same way I did about Hereditary in terms of it was just like, okay, this movie was just so supremely messed up and it kind of just like messed up in a little bit um, that I really don't want to see it again, but I definitely can't appreciate for what it did. So definitely would recommend it. Just um, be prepared to, I don't know, hug your spouse or pet your cats <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that. Um so I really don't think we can get in too much into more without spoiler territory on that front. And this also is a movie where you are kind of like driven by the plot. So if you are still interested in this movie and based on the premise and based on the themes that we put forward, I would 
definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and I think uh, you, would as, uh, um, you would as well, Andrew. So mm-hmm. that's that. Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely yeah. see it. We'll get in through that then. Great. All right. Uh, so spoiler at this moment. So if you are interested, go ahead and drop off right now. Now let's get into spoiler territory. Yep. So... Uh, where do you want to start off with this? I've got a couple themes I want to touch on, but I think you kind of touched on something before in terms of like youth in general. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so like I, I so I, again, you mentioned the themes of the uh, time this took, this took place during, um, and like you know when this was made. Um, but for me, like what I really saw this, and like I was actually discussing this with a coworker the other day because um, I, I, I still work in education um, and I'm kind of more on the administration side of it. But uh, we were actually talking with the high schooler who's graduating, basically, and we are talking about, um, they were talking about how, like, they've noticed that, like, you know, their generation, uh, you know, can't do as many fun things, but seems to get away with a lot of stuff, essentially. She's reflecting mm-hmm. about how she's like, oh, man, my, uh, you know, the, the, my teachers say they still this like, crazy stuff in high school, and we can't really do that. And they're like, but, they, you know, the kids also seem to be a lot more rude in high school. <laughs> and we're talking about how... Um, uh, we've kind of felt like, to a degree, um, the the light, the, the fact that teachers can't really do much in terms of discipline uh, has really kind of come to light, especially like as you know, kids are filming classes and they're not getting in trouble and stuff, um, and a lot of kids are acting out and aren't really getting these, uh, aren't, and you know, it's hard for the principal or somebody to really act on it without getting a lot of pushback from the parents. Like if we recently had um, the senior pranks happen and something people went a little bit overboard, did things that could have endangered people with allergies and done some things that really weren't safe. Um, and the principal didn't really come down hard on them. And we were talking about whether or not that was a good thing or a bad thing. And, you know, could the principal really hard come down hard? Or would the parents just push back? Like, do you say these kids can't walk at graduation? Uh, if you say that, the parents going to flip out. And I kind of saw that in this movie where, um, you know, obviously these kids are assholes. Um, and these kids were terrible kids. And they were, you know, that to me, there always is that kind of unease of what you can actually do. And I think a lot of Michael Fassbender's character is somebody who knows he can't really do anything as an adult with a bunch of kids he can't really do anything to be other than Mm -hmm. being like hey cut that out and hoping that 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 gets it um but i think what really kind of hammers home at the end what you kind of get the impression of when they go into the town is this idea that that the family ignores it the family kind of lets these behaviors happen but then will defend the kids when things come up like there's um there was a radio show that michael fassbender was listening to and they're driving and it was some parent talking about how it's so hard for them to uh, you know, get their kids to listen and, you know, the schools aren't doing it, we're not doing it, you know, how are we supposed to deal with this essentially? Um, which then you kind of see reflected when um, they go and get breakfast and this one, and they, Michael Fassbender mentions to the waitress, like, hey, have you seen these hooligans around? And he, she's like, yeah, these kids are assholes, ha ha ha. And he's like, yeah, one of them slashed my tire and her face just drops and she's like, my kid wouldn't do that, that's not my kid. And you, and you, and then he realizes, like, oh fuck, this is the parent of these kids, and they are not willing to identify what these kids are doing, even though they're they're not willing to identify it happens. Like you know, there are bad kids out there, but my kid's not a bad kid. Um, and I think this movie really takes that to a very far degree. But it's just something that I see. I think, you know, it, I'm not sure if you saw it as much. I know you were, you were kind of more lower level elementary, uh, but like the middle school and high school, I feel like I really see a lot of kids getting their parents kind of explaining away their behaviors or more or less pushing them aside. Um, and not like giving them consequence um, yeah and I, I think a big part of that too is a big thing in this movie is just the cycle of abuse because um, the Rinlitter um, to, to, to Brett uh, who is mm-hmm. just 
God, Jack O'Connell, the actor for Brett's fantastic job. I have not hated a kid this much since Joffrey from Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, he, he does a fantastic job, and I am sorry if I ever call you names in public, but he is just, he does such a good job here, um, making an absolutely hateable preteen character. Because they're what, supposed to be like 12, 13 year old, something like that. Oh, are they? I think they were high school. Are they not? Um, I thought I thought they said something. Doesn't Michael Fassbender say something like, I'm not going to be intimidated by a bunch of 12-year-olds, but his character doesn't know how old they are either, so he's just kind of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, kind of like, I, I assumed they were high school children still, though, however. Uh, some of them look pretty younger, so I was assuming middle school, early yeah. high school. I could, say, um, I could see that, yeah. Yeah, but just kind of like a cycle of abuse, because like, it is very much heavily implied that you know Brett gets beat by his dad throughout the entire movie, and definitely at the very end scene, the turnaround, um, the dad has a lot of, exhibits a lot of the same psychopathic behaviors as Brett does throughout the entire movie, so it's very much kind of seem as if it's a learned behavior, and just the cycle perpetuating itself, um, but yeah, going back to my personal experience with this as well. I guess I did teach at elementary level for several years, and I did teach in a low-income school. And um, yeah, pretty much all my kids, if not all of them, I actually can't think of a... No, there were, there were like one or two kids that were upper middle class, but the vast, vast majority of them were lower class. And a lot of them were fantastic, loved the kids so much, but I definitely did deal with a lot of kids with some severe behavioral issues. Um, twice, um, I had a 10 year old try and stab me with a pair of scissors, um, which again, fourth grade, um, one of the many reasons why I got out of public education, but I definitely can understand and emphasize with how you're feeling on that front. And it's actually kind of interesting because when I went to Chicago, um, which is a beautiful city, don't let conservative media tell you that. Um, but basically, when I went to Chicago, I was talking with my mom, who used to be a high school counselor in one of the suburbs that I grew up in west of Chicago, like two, three hours west. Um, and apparently, there's a lot of Section 8 housing going in, in that particular town. And it's kind of taking up the high school in terms of lots of fights are starting, lots of game-related activity, that sort of thing. Um, so when I was watching this movie, I was kind of thinking the same thing as well in terms of, okay, this is, you know, obviously this is an actual problem that is happening in the schools um, where these kids are coming out there and stirring up trouble in these small rural towns. But at the same time, too, it is my biggest issue with this movie and what I'm just trying to think of, and I don't know too much about British politics or demographics at this particular time, is it definitely feels like it taps into a fear that's is pretty universal throughout the decades but at the same time too i'm still kind of on the fence of does this movie kind of make a caricature out of these characters um is it kind of portrayed to have a message of the tory party basically saying see this is what happens if we don't pass all these draconian laws or this is what's going to happen to you so vote for us because we'll make sure this doesn't happen like vote based out of fear than actually trying to address the issues that are causing these situations to occur in the first place. Um, someone, I, I was reading this blog on this movie too, and someone put the phrase exploitation on there, which hmm. I thought was a kind of an interesting term um, in terms of these characters are a little bit humanized, um, mostly just from like looking through the walls and seeing the pictures of these kids on the walls and the family dynamics and that sort of thing. But for the most part, these kids are pretty well villainized throughout the entire movie, Um, which again kind of gives to the oppressive atmosphere. But at the same time, it's kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering 
I just I can't shake the feeling of this movie that it is a propaganda piece to kind of be a little bit more fear mongering. Um, mm. And I am curious to see like the thought process and design because as a standalone movie, absolutely it's good. But at the same time, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, how much of this is propaganda? How much of this was intended to be propaganda or how much of this is going to be the takeaway on that front? So there's, there's a part of a larger discussion on that, but I'm really, it's just something I'm curious about thinking about more of. I'm not really falling on one side or the other, but it is something, yeah, I'm just curious about. Hmm. Well, like so, so when you're talking about the Tory propaganda, so is the propaganda that the kid, that the youth are bad, or that the parents are bad? Like what's what, is, um, what, is, what what's what's that message? I would take that one step further and just say, like, one of the propaganda pieces could be that all blue collar workers are bad, okay. um, or all all blue collar workers are. And again, this is not something I believe, but this is something that I feel the movie might be putting forward in terms of all blue collar workers are inbred hicks dumb violent wife and child beaters and they are not going to pay any attention to you they're not even going to call the police for you if you're in trouble or lift up a finger to help you if you're you know because they take care of their own and they're basically like or these small towns are kind of like organized gangs Hmm. um that is kind of that so i i I don't feel it pertains particularly to the kids or the adults because that's what the whole ending sequence is about is just the adults are just as bad as these kids um Well, see, so that, that's that, kind of when I feel like it was going forward. Because like, I almost think that this movie was less a commentary on the kids and more a commentary on the parents. Like, yeah, that the kids obviously yes. were, were the main villains. But like what I, as you know, with the ending, like even before what they did to her, which I kind of thought uh, was, you know, and we can say it now because we're in spoiler territory. So the end mm-hmm. of this movie ends with um, Jenny escaping uh, the kids, um, killing a couple on the way, getting out. And but when she goes to a place for help, she the only house she finds the people. They're having a party. It's all these parents. Uh, she tells them what's going on while she's trying to get them to get her to the hospital. They get a call from one of the kids saying what happened and basically blaming her for it. And, uh, you know, and, you know, the, one of the kids is dead. And so, like, they, they end up and, you know, they, they know that the kids are involved. So instead of taking her to the hospital, they kill her, um, which, mm-hmm. is, which is incited actually by the father of the ringleader kid. Um, and what I found is interesting about that is, like, I knew shit was going sideways as soon as she showed up to that party because it's that idea. Like, I, and this is where I kind of get the idea that it's, like, more of a commentary on the parents. It's all these kids are out fucking around in the woods doing crazy shit. You know, the, even though the older brother of the kids is driving around in his car, like, you know, these kids are all out doing shit. And the parents are all together having a party, basically ignoring them. Um, so I kind of took that as more of a commentary on these parents who just kind of, you know, these absentee parents who, you know, let their kids do whatever they want. But then when shit goes down... You know, when this like in this situation, when they do something dumb, when something bad happens, they would rather cover it up because it reflects poorly on them if their kids are killers or you know mm. if their kids are assholes. You know, they're they because it you know and again like like the woman um, at the uh, at the the um, the diner, she didn't want to be a, a bad parent. Like my kid wouldn't do that. Yeah, there's shitty kids everywhere, but my kid wouldn't do that. My like. Mm-hmm. That it's not not my kid, um, and I thought that I just found that really interesting. And I, um, I know recently we had. There was there's a controversy. Uh, somebody I listened to NPR and there, someone was talking about how her son died from doing like a, a YouTube challenge with his friends or TikTok challenge, which is like a hold a blackout challenge like that, where you mm-hmm. hold your breath. And I guess a couple kids died from that, I, more than a couple. Um, and it's that idea where they're saying, well, YouTube's responsible for this, and it's that idea of like, okay, but is YouTube responsible? Where's where does the, the responsibility for the parent lie in this in terms of what's going on? And I think that's like a very interesting thing that I feel like. Uh, I don't know the the idea of 
like, you know, like, and again, in, in education, what's the school's responsibility versus what's the parent's responsibility? I think that really gets kind of played around with a lot. And I think a lot of times when it comes to blame, like in this movie, it's that, that it's, that's where the, you know, the parents kind of want to push it off. Um, and I think, and I'm and sure I, you found that very relatable just from interacting with parents uh, mm-hmm. throughout. Yeah. Well, like, and it, I, I found it interesting too, because you mentioned the, the, the blue collar thing, which I think is, is a thing in this because Eden Lake is being gentrified, right? They're turning into it. Part of the reason mm-hmm. that Steve wants to take uh, Jenny there now is because it's about to be turned into like a, a residential area, like a, a more, uh, what, what's it called? Like a community? It's going to become like a community, a development community, a developed community. You know, like condos or something like that. Basically, yeah, it's gentrification. Yeah. They're and taking like what, this beautiful, pristine lake and they're turning it into a development. Which I find it, like, you know, I feel like they don't, they don't talk about that enough. It would be more interesting if there were comments about that, about, like, oh, you guys are coming here and taking our shit again. So, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. These rich, like, I feel like somebody does, and maybe one of the parents maybe makes comments, something related to that at the end, when they're all when they're grabbing her. I feel like somebody may have thrown out some slurs or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I found it interesting uh, when you mentioned, like, how it's a kind of a rednecky thing, because it makes me really think that, like, it would be it would be cool. I did see somebody that, like, a fan made it in late, too. But I think this is, like, such an, again, as I've talked about, with what's going on now, I think it'd be really cool to make a new version of this, but in, in like an upper class um, kind of neighborhood. Because I think the same thing would happen, right? Upper class parents would be partying, kids would go out and be fucking around. Somebody would come back to the, you know, the parents, you know, break in at the end of the parents' mansion in their party, and they'd be like, "Oh man, my kid's going to Harvard next year. This can't be on his record." So they kill her. Ooh, like yeah. I could see that exact I'm go same ahead and thing. Pay happening. them off or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I could see this exact same thing happening. I think it'd be really interesting. That's and an like, excellent point. I think. Take this movie, remake it again in the YouTube era of these kids are like, you know, like Jake Paul films a fucking dead body in the woods. <laughs> these kids are like, oh, we'll make that content. We won't show us killing this person, but we'll show us finding the body. So they, you know, they, they you know, or they get in some fight with the kids on on YouTube, and they, you know, they don't want their cloud to go down because they're live streaming. So they, you know, they escalate things. And I feel like I could easily see, like, I see the roots of this in kind of what's become of some of this YouTube uh, internet fame culture. Uh, I forget that there was a what's his name. I just uh, there's a YouTuber named Secret Mizzy, I think is his name. Um, I, I, I Google, I think that's his name. But he's this guy actually in I think England or somewhere like that, and he's been like arrested multiple times because he's making YouTube videos where he just walks into people's houses and like takes their shit mm-hmm. or like walks in while like I think he like, took something from somebody's house at one point. And one of them he walks in like when there's like kids in the house and like just walks around their house and like videos him and his friends walking around their house talking. Like he's breaking and entering into people's houses. Um, and then is like running out or like you know stealing shit or something like that. Like he's he's doing really dumb shit and like really dangerous and illegal things and YouTubing it because he gets you know gets some clout and he gets arrested and he gets out and it's like this is what I wanted anyway whatever. Like it's I feel I see that and I'm like wow this like seeing that happening and then seeing this movie I'm just like wow this is like not too unrealistic and I feel like I, I could easily see this kind of connection being made between these mm-hmm. two which i think a remake or a sequel would be amazing I mean, like you know a spiritual sequel or reboot i suppose yeah um, set and in that is one that is one thing i really really liked about this movie is just it is for lack of a better term just very realistic like i could see all of the situations like pretty much a lot of the decisions that the characters make i could be like oh yeah i could see myself in that same situation making that same choice or that same decision um on that front and even then like yeah, the kids are assholes and they are just terrible, terrible people. But at the same time, too, you see their home life and you see, you know, how they've been physically abused and, you know, when the kind of environment you grew up in and you start to feel for them a little bit. And then they do try and humanize a lot of the other, like, lesser gang members later down, um, later mm-hmm. on in the movie who, you know, speak up and say, oh, yes, this is going too far. We we got can't continue hunting, hunting these people, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and that's what I kind of feel most disturbing about this movie. Like, I, I think when I finished the movie, I sent you a message and I said, like, well, this ending was on the level of the mist in terms of levels of depressing <laughs> endings. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it stuck with me for a while. And as I continued thinking about it, I was just one of the biggest things is what would happen if, like, I was at a party and this, you know, someone came on in and then I got a phone call saying that my children are dead. Like, I, I don't know what I would do because I don't have kids. I don't know what I'm capable of on that front, but I, I know I would not be in a stable emotional state if that was the case. Um, so it, it's just one of those things where, yeah, it sucks in terms of everything going on on that front, but it's all very human reactions in terms of how everyone reacts to the situations. I mean, the whole inciting incident is that um, uh, Steve accidentally kills the dog of one of the preteens and... You know, we're both huge animal lovers, and we're just like, yeah, I would be pissed about that too. Um, so it is just the whole human element of it is mm. very terrifying. Mm. And I like what you said there too, because I feel like, like you you mentioned that you know, among the gang, there's some really kind of likable people, or you're not likable, but you can tell they don't want to do this. And I think I've, you know, we see that mirror in the adults. I feel like almost the exact same adults. I feel like we could probably map who is who. Oh, who's, yeah. who's parent based on that, um, based on who's like, no, this isn't right, this isn't cool. Um, but what I found interesting is I felt like even um, our main guy, uh, sorry, what was his name? What was our main evil guy? Or not evil guy, but uh, Derek? No, his name was Derek. Brett. Brett. Brett, Brett. was the yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, even Brett, I thought, had, like, humanity to him. And I, I felt like had his other friends not been there, it wouldn't have escalated the way it did. Because obviously he's being a jerk, and they were fucking around with him, and they took the car, and that was, like, them joyriding, and they got caught. And I think they, you know, they went into a struggle, but when the dog got stabbed, Brett gave him the keys back. Brett was like, fuck you, my dog's dead. You know, like, you could tell that he, he like, I think it's one of those things where he got caught up in it, and when that happened, it brought him back down, but then all his friends mm -hmm. kind of pumped him up. Um, and what I found interesting, you know, again, like, you know, most of the characters were pretty sympathetic. There were two other than Brett who I thought weren't, and that was the girl who looks like Maisie Williams, um, who was just constantly mean and, uh, you know, being really fucking rude to um, Jenny for some reason. I don't know. Um, and then the and this is the weird thing that I thought was kind of weird about this. So I thought every kid except um, except for Maisie Williams knockoff, but I think she even had a couple moments where you could kind of see that she was like not kind of feeling it, but was just kind of there filming because that's what he told Especially her to do. Especially the end, yeah. Um, but did you notice the one character who just seemed to have a bloodlust? Because there's uh... one character who had there's only one character with bloodlust, and there's a very defined feature about this character. And I wonder, I've heard that there's some. Uh, again, I've never been to Europe, but I know there's some. Uh, interesting perspectives on race sometimes in Europe, and it seemed yeah. I was about to say it was the black kid, right? I don't yeah, remember no, his name, so that's what I'm trying to describe. He, him as. he yes, didn't have yes. he didn't have a single line, and he was constantly trying to pull the knife out. He was he was the only one who never said no. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because he was just like silent kid, who, and I was like, it's really weird that the only person here who isn't being humanized is the black kid. He's the yeah, only one. He's also the one that gets beat to death by Brett later on in the movie, right? Or is that another kid? No, that, that was the other one. See, that's the thing. The, okay, one gets, gotcha. the only gets beaten to death. Um, it says no. Well, the other, mm -hmm. There's the other kid who doesn't want to do it, and he gets stabbed when he tries to approach her to be like, hey. Uh, and then Maisie Williams get run, gets run over. So Brett's Brett. I can't remember what I can't remember what happened to the kid. Actually, did he get did he get killed? Uh, no, I think he survived till the end. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he just like disappears. So that's the weird thing. Is it is very weird that of the hoods, the one the one of color. There are two kids of color in this movie. One of them gets bullied and then thrown off killed mm -hmm. by the black kid i believe i believe he's part of the, the instigation and then uh, so like i'm just going to like and I, i've heard that there's like again i obviously there's, there's racism in america everywhere and obviously 
you know, uh, there's not, definitely racism in Britain too. Uh, yeah. Yes, but 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 uh, you know, I, I've uh, it's interesting that he is kind of like the quote unquote like most hood, the silent th- threatening kid. Like, that just seems it seems intentional. I'm hoping it's not. I'm hoping it was just you know he ran and got signed to that role. Uh, yeah, and it's it, one of those it, it things too where you know we're talking about the class warfare and just kind of again it's kind of like a this movie is a conservative wet dream, um, so it speaks, um, or it can be interpreted in that way. And if that's the kind of interpretation you continue to pull from that one, that just kind of adds more ammo to the fire. Like, again, I'm not sure if that was the intention or not, but it is just another kind of, I don't know, log on the fire in terms of if you're deciding to go that way or pursue that route. Yeah. It's just, um, it's just, it was just, it's, I was, just it's something I noticed. I was like, he just, he's just angry and mean and like doesn't talk and it's just like, he has no lines. It's just, it's really weird to me. Um, yeah. The way that that, like, the more I thought about it, the more I was like, this seems, it, it seems like too much of a coincidence, but I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, speaking say. of which, just going mm-hmm. on and humanizing the character and that sort of thing too. I do want to kind of go over the final shot of the movie um, and just kind of your interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, the the final scene of the movie, Jenny escapes from basically being tortured, seeing her boyfriend being killed by these hooligans, literally set on fire. Um, just all sorts of fucked up shit that happens to them. And then she escapes, uh, she steals a car, goes back, and then crashes into the house, basically, where these kids' parents are. And they don't know who she is at first, but throughout the final scene of the movie, they slowly realize, oh, this is the person who killed our children. And she basically gets taken by the main character's father as she tries to fight him off. And her fate is, I mean, she's obviously not in a good place, but it is slightly left ambiguous, which I think is more terrifying because you have no idea what they're doing to her. Um, but Brett uh, walks back up to his room as his father sends him back up and then slowly just kind of puts on his sunglasses, deletes the videos of the night, and just stares at himself in the mirror. So I'm just curious, what was your interpretation on that one? Was that just kind of like a psychopath? He is happy that he has kind of uh, gotten away with everything scot-free? Or do you think like he has finally been affected by all this fucked up shit that happened? Or... Like, what, what do you think is going through his head at this moment, basically? Yeah, see, I thought that was interesting, because I... So there's that... So when, when they're all grabbing her and stuff at the end, um, I feel like he tries to stop it. Not not the killing, but he, like, wants to almost be involved in what's going to happen. I, 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 it's weird, because I almost feel like he has kind of a heel turn there, where he kind of realizes he they went over the top. Like, mm-hmm. I almost like his friend's dying kind of pushes him in a direction. And not that he's going to come clean, necessarily, but he didn't... I kind of feel like this idea where he he thought he's gonna get in trouble and he thought that this would be a bad thing and he comes back and finds his parents defending him and he's I almost feel like he's kind of thrown off to a degree of like of like I don't know I, I obviously I don't think he's ha- he's having like second thoughts on what he did but I think it's I don't know I, I get the impression that he didn't want his the, his parents to just gank this person like this was his thing that would have gone on mm. uh, and I kind of felt like that was like taking that away from him kind of made him like, kind of step back because they sent him to the room and he goes up there. And he stares at himself, and he, so he deletes the he deletes the um, the videos off his phone. So he deletes all the evidence of the, of the crime that happened, which you know is that, that kind of like sociopathic thing. But then he puts and he kind of stares at himself in the mirror, and he takes out the um, and you kind of like aren't going on. He takes the sunglasses, puts them on, and I kind of took that as like a, I don't know a. I don't think it's regret, but I think it's him kind of like maybe acknowledging that he's fucked up a bit. Like obviously, I think I don't think that he's like redeemed or anything like that but i think i take it as some i don't know slight tilt in the right direction of like 
he realizes he's fucked up, so he puts the sunglasses on to kind of not see himself and to kind of, like, hide who he is to a degree. Mm, okay. Like, I, I kind of took that as, like, a, he sees his parents acting the exact same fucking way he just was, and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I don't know why, because I don't think... I don't think he's changed as a person or anything, but I do. I did kind of see that as hopeful or maybe acknowledging that this wasn't... What happened was a big fuck-up, maybe. Yeah. Like, he fucked like, around a lot. This is a movie... And, yeah. This is a movie where, like, everybody loses. <laughs> like, there, there is not a happy ending for any single character in this movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think I think this experience, even though he, I think, I almost wonder part of it, he's kind of shocked he's getting off scot-free. He's like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think that's part of it. It's like, it's like a weird, like, because he, he mentioned at one point they talk about going to jail, and he's like, well, you, you've, you've ever been, to, what do you know about jail, kid? Like, as implying that he's been there before. And now this time he's kind of getting out with no consequences, which I think is just like, even though it's, he didn't want to get in trouble for it, I think the way that this happened isn't what he wanted to have happened. Or it's oh, yeah. Like a, I don't know. It's yeah. not. He doesn't feel good about it. Uh, but yeah, what, what, how about you? Um, no, I, I like thought, honestly, kind of the opposite in terms of it reinforces his behaviors of, yes, he has basically tormented, murdered, and killed these people throughout the entire night. Yes, he's lost a few friends, but he's gotten away scot-free, and now he sees the model of his parents basically repeating the exact same actions he just did. So that's a learned behavior on that point. So I kind of viewed it as a, he's taking the glasses as a trophy. Like, okay, this is, you know, the most positive outcome in terms of all the situations that could have happened. Um, What is, uh, you know, that, that's kind of, sorry, let me just rephrase that. Um, Yeah, no, I, I kind of feel it as him taking the trophy. He is, seeing that his parents are repeating the same actions as he did therefore reinforcing that behavior and yeah he is one of the few characters that basically the movie implies escapes scot-free in terms of there's no lasting impact yes his friends are dead and his dog is dead and he's been through one hell of a night but he is home he is safe and his parents are protecting him from this person and I, I, I kind of viewed it as he's thinking to himself that he won and which makes the ending just much more terrifying. Um, mm. I, I kind of get the same vibe at the end of infinity war where they're just like Thanos will return. <laughs> That's kind of the vibe I got from this one. Just like, yeah, you, you lost <laughs> the, mm. the, the, you know, protagonist lost and the good guy or the bad guy is still there. Or the antagonist is still there and the antagonist is probably going to continue this behavior. So yeah, unfortunately I did not see that as hopeful. Um, mm. Well, I, I don't and know. also it was kind of sorry to interrupt, but just, yeah. it was kind of a sociopathic scum or psychopathic stare as well. Like yeah. there was no emotion whatsoever, and I think that kind of led credence a little bit more to be, yeah, he hasn't learned anything. Hmm. Well, yeah, I don't know if I'd say I, I found it hopeful, but I, I found it almost like kind of reflective for him. Like, oh yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. Like, and I, 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 don't, I don't know. Change. I don't. Yeah, and it's I don't like, and it might not even be a change, but just a realization of like, oh shit, like this is just my life. Like I don't know, like I, like I don't know when his when his father didn't include him, and when his father was like, no, you fucking go up there, this we're taking care of this. I got the impression that he was kind of like, wait, what? Like I, like yeah. I feel like he went from being this big badass kid out in the woods to coming back and being like, oh yeah, I'm still a fucking kid. My dad can still send me to my room, and I, that that's where I kind of felt was that's where I kind of got it was he maybe that he didn't there wasn't like a hopeful ending, but he kind of got knocked down a peg just by his own family by being like, oh yeah, he comes back and he's still like. I guess maybe it's even worse that he's this murderous kid outside, but he still comes home and has to listen to his parents. Yeah. Um, I guess that you know it's almost what I see. Like you know, it's like it's like Michael Myers in that Halloween remake, 
where he's kind of a bat, you know, he beats that shit, that kid up in the woods and like, you know, then he goes home and you're kind of not expecting the next movie to kill his parents or something like that. You know, you're, you're waiting for that. Like he realizes that he can still kind of be bossed around by his parents and this is still like an adult's. He kind of comes back. He goes from the kids ruling and back into the adults ruling, which is maybe kind of turn, turns him back in or not reels mm-hmm. him in a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't, but yeah, no, I, I agree. With that. I don't. I don't think he necessarily. I, I didn't mean to like. He, I don't think he, he like changes, but I think that there's like some change in his character at that moment. But maybe not. Yeah, not a permanent. It's not change. a 180, but this was a seminal event in his life that changes him, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Yeah, or something, something yeah, happened. Some, something. Something yeah. deflates there. I don't know. I just don't know what it is. Um, yeah. But so, what did, what did you think of? Um, it seems to me of characters. What did you think of uh, Steve and Jenny? Um, we, they were very likable, mm-hmm. very sweet. I mean, again, it was kind of like a caricature in terms of this is the upper middle class uh, kind of person that's you can identify with a lot more. Um, I thought they were fine characters. I thought most of their actions were pretty good. I think there was one where. Um, Jenny like waited a few hours while Steve was tied up. Um, I, I thought that was a little bit too much. Like she could have left, called the police, and then come on back or something like that. Um, there were a few decisions like that that they made that were kind of a little bit out there. But most of them, they were pretty realistic, pretty good on that front. I really don't have too much to say about them, honestly. Hmm. I don't. I I, I I really liked them. I I really liked I really like Steve. Like I, I like Steve and Jenny as characters because I feel like Steve is somebody who doesn't doesn't like kids necessarily like I, I got the impression that steve no, he doesn't like them but he has a low patience for them and while mm-hmm. jenny is like a, a kindergarten school teacher she's very much that hopeful kind of like you know kids are okay you know like in the end adults will help us out you know the, the adults are still like the, the leaders whatever and the kids are there and i got the impression that like she like you know she kills two kids and she doesn't like either of it she both of them are traumatic for her both of them she feels mm-hmm. even the one that she, even when she runs down Maisie williams knockoff she like says I'm sorry. Like she she speeds up into her. She fucking is like fuck you, and then does it, and then it's like oh fuck I'm sorry. Like as as she's driving away. Um, yes, which was which a I've... wonderful wonderful homage to Zombievers. Like, did you catch that reference? That was that was. Beautiful. Oh my god! I mean, it, it, it was. <laughs> I mean, who who can I, I honestly? I if, if the Zombievers theme started playing, then you know it would, it would be like an X Men. <laughs> It'd be like mentioning mutants in a Marvel movie. <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I really liked that about her, and like I liked that like she was she was genuinely sorry that she killed the kid. She did. She didn't know what else to do. She had no choice, and like she feels bad. Like it wasn't like she wasn't like fuck your kids tried to kill me. She's like no, I can, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, like I didn't want to kill your kids. Like she didn't, mm-hmm. and like it, it's dumb because she should have explained it in a different like. But it's but at the end of, you know she realized what's going on, so she realized maybe going for sympathy was better. Like I didn't mean to kill your kids. I'm sorry. Um, but then I like that in the contrast. There's Steve who, again, we see that radio thing playing but he's also somebody who's like i feel like in a lot of these movies what happens is you get like you get you get the main character this is the final girl you get you get jenny who's the nice person and then you they usually pair them up with some kind of dick boyfriend who you know i feel like you're kind of like why are they together and you know he's usually an asshole and then when he dies you kind of feel like he deserves it a little mm-hmm. bit but in this i thought like what, what, what was kind of harrowing and what i like i felt kind of like that pit in my stomach when we started watching it is that like steve was like a good dude and like he yeah. didn't want to fight with the kids, he didn't want to be rude. He wanted he like wanted to ignore them. And he's like, "Hey guys, can you please not do this?" And like, mm-hmm. then you know he he gets his ego rubbed a little bit. Cause he's like, "These fucking kids! Like, I'm not just gonna get them leave because these kids are being annoying. I'm not gonna enable that behavior." But he also doesn't want like. There's a scene where um, there's a little kid who's being really loud and annoying. And actually, uh, I, I just went to a wedding where where there's a kid yelling no to the entire <laughs> fucking all the vows, and the parents didn't stop him. 
And I had the same thought that Steve had in that moment where he's like, man, somebody should hit that kid. Uh, because the kid like literally was screaming and like ruining this person's wedding. <laughs> and uh-huh. the parents weren't, weren't stopping it. But the thing I like about this is in that scene, and this would be my reaction too, in the scene he's saying that the kid is screaming and he's like, wow, somebody needs to give that kid up. And before he finishes the sentence, the mom hits, smacks the kid. And there's, they both just stop talking. And Steve looks away and it's just like really awkward. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't, he didn't, like, you know, he talks about, I should hit that kid. But when it actually happens, he's like, he does, he feels, he doesn't want, you know, he feels bad about it. And yeah. I like that, that kind of shows that contrast of the character where he's like, fuck these kids. But also, like, you know, he understands and, you know, and also based on what Jenny's profession that, you know, that's not how you deal with kids. That's not how you nurture a kid. That mm-hmm. just, that just creates resentment. That creates this harshness. It leads the kids like Brett. Um, you know, again, that, 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 that's a generalization, but, you know, uh, uh, you know, nature and nurture, like, you know, if you, if you, if you nurture somebody by like hitting them, it's not gonna, it's gonna, it's likely they might react in a similar way. Um, so I like that. I like that it was showing that kind of um, difference. And again, it's, it's that idea that, you, you know, with the parents I talked to later, when he's like, oh, you need to, you know, when he's mentioning the kids who are, these kids, these kids who are popping tires and stuff, the parents are just like, oh, not my deal. So it's that kind of the hands-off, which leads to violence, and then there's also the the literal hands-on, which leads to violence, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. I got I, th- I thought I found him a really interesting character, and in kind of uh, how his thoughts and his actions kind of were differing. And you know, again, in contrast to Jenny, who is who is nurturer um, by profession, <laughs> um, I, I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that she like, really again was really sad, didn't want anybody to get hurt. Uh, and when that when that boy dies, uh, when the little boy in the woods dies, she like screams even though she knows it's gonna give away her her location she's like you know she's distraught that this kid just died um i don't know like i i know i told you when i was texting you about it um i really was hoping this movie because i hated these kids so much i was like let this be the movie where this woman goes you are next and just fucking i don't know turns into a ninja and kills all these kids in random various ways in the woods like let that be this movie um but it makes so much sense for her character that she didn't um yeah like and I like that they stuck with that for her. Like at the end, her she her entire goal is to appeal, appeal to the kids. Um, you know, she stabs that one kid and is immediately horrified. Um, I don't know. I, I thought their their characters were who they were the entire like I don't know. They were well thought out and they just executed them so well. And I think it was two kind of interesting people to put in the middle of this situation and this kind of like culture clash. I don't know. Yeah, and I really like how you phrase that one scene where it's just like, oh, someone should hit that kid, and then it actually happens, and then, like, he kind of feels bad for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was just something, it was just, it was just a phrase that he said, and then when it actually happens, when he deals with that reality, he's obviously not comfortable with it. And um, it's interesting you said the exact same, because I felt the exact same way of just like, oh, man, I really hope this is this is some sort of your next situation going on where... You know, the, the, the last third is just a, this huge revenge thing. But um, at the same way, it's just, yeah, it's... And this is what I really like about this movie is there really, again, aren't any good guys or bad guys. You can see, you know, everyone's making bad decisions. Everyone loses at the end of the movie, definitely. But at the same time, it is you understand that the environment that these kids were raised in kind of raised them to be the way they are. And you know, these two poor couples just, they want to enjoy their vacation and they didn't want any of this, but they're kind of thrust into it. So it is, uh, it is interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to think too, yeah. like, it's called Eden Lake too. I wonder if, if that, if that has any, you know, any name significance, you know? 
Like I, I, don't, I, don't, I guess like I, don't know, I can't think of like where the serpent would be in this and whatnot, but you know, Eden is like a oh yeah, yeah you know, like yeah, a yeah. Per- perfect you know either Garden of Eden or just Eden in terms of like you know like a nice uh, what what is it supposed mm-hmm. to be? It's supposed to be like a, a place without flaws, you know, or something like that, where you know. But right, it's like what's what, what what's the point of what is Eden? I, I'm not very religious. <laughs> I, know it's, uh, I know it's where like it was Adam the and very Eve lived. first place where Adam and Eve lived. It was like the Garden of Eden, and it was a paradise. And then Eve ate the apple, even though she was warned not to, and they were cast out for it. Okay, so I'm yeah. trying to think of like I, I don't know what this what the yeah, symbolism here would so. be. I think it's just kind of like Eden is historically kind of described as a you know just really beautiful place, um, and. Obviously, it's not the case on that front. So it could be like a place that was once beautiful, but now corrupted, mm. possibly. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But I don't think the actual Garden of Eden was actually corrupted after they were they were they were just cast out. Um, oh, okay, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, if it, if it was that it got corrupted, like if, if when if you think about it, Steve grew up there. It was this peaceful, placid place. He left. He comes back, and it's tainted. That'd be interesting. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, th- this movie definitely has a lot of layers to it that you think about and you continue to think about um, on that front. Um, we we kind of talked about my other question too and just about the exploitation, like this is a movie to go too far and like reinforcing the negative stereotypes um, about these characters. Um, but I do feel like there's a lot of little moments of humanizing the characters in terms of we see what the home life is like, we see what, uh, you know, little stuff is. And then also peer pressure as well, mm-hmm. um, having... Like you said before, Brett, he gives the keys back to our main couple, and then he's kind of peer pressured or like wants to appear as a tough man. And because those types of like quote unquote alpha personalities, they tend to showing weakness is very uncomfortable to them. And the only thing that um, he has learned is how to deal with that, how to deal with those emotions, is to toughen back up again and, you know, make someone else feel bad about themselves. And whether that is, you know, making fun of them or, you know, actually attacking them so i'm thinking that's kind of what was going through his head he was so distraught in the moment when his dog died that he gave the keys back because he's just like i want these people out of here and then as he processes those emotions he gets this feeling of anger and the anger is just like my only way i know how to take out anger is on other people so i'm going to go ahead and hunt these people down mm-hmm. yeah and i felt really bad too because you know at, at that scene like uh steve is trying to be like hey like get I'll, I'll take your dog to the vet right now i'm so yeah. sorry like it's and you know the kid's like fuck you you're sorry man like you know it, it, it's that hard thing too if you tell steve fucked up and he but it's again it's that, it's that idea that steve is so used to the like safety parameters of the culture or you know the the, the part of where he comes from and like you know he's so you said like you know hey when kids act like idiots you go tell their parents that's what he tries to do you know when you make a mistake like this you like even though like he's not reading the room he's not like oh god these i'm actually in danger he's like oh i fucked up i should try to help even, even though the kids are like get the fuck out of here and jenny's like we need to leave this is dangerous he like still has that idea like no nothing bad's gonna happen to me I'm going to try to help these kids. Like, yeah, they almost ran up sort of the car and stuff, but they were just fucking around. He, I think he even says at one point they're just kids. Like, he kind of dismisses their behavior as just, like, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I found that, you know, that's interesting, too, that it's, like, that kind of cu- cultural contrast there. Um, and, you know, not understanding that this kid, like you said, can't just let this go. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. he thinks, like, okay, I made a mistake, but at the same time, that calmness, that was our sobering moment, so we're all good now, right? And it's like, nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, that, that, was, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. yeah definitely this um yeah this is this is a very intense movie and there's yeah. really not a lot of fun to be had here like i'm glad i watched it i definitely will continue to be thinking about it for a while but it is um 
yeah, definitely like I said before, it's definitely a feel bad movie on that front. Um, which you know, it, it is. Some of my favorite horror movies are feel bad horror movies. Uh, the Mist again. Um, mm-hmm. Love that movie. I think it's fantastic. And that ending just, I, I think it's one of the greatest horror movie endings of all time. But gosh, that ending destroyed me for a few days after I watched it. Um, oh. And I kind of had the same feeling for this one right here. Oh, dude. I remember when, I, when that missed the ending first happened, I like joked to myself, like, ha, watch, watch him kill himself. And now that they're, they're all going to be, it's going to be over. And that happened. And I just remember being like, oh, God, it's real. <laughs> like, it was 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 like Michael Fassbender and the kid getting hit. I joked about it, like, ah, oh, man, now that they're going to be okay. And it happened. I'm like, oh, oh, man, that did not feel as good as my, my joke did not land as well in reality. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah. I, you know, and one thing I, um, as I, I had a question for you uh, with this movie in terms of feel bad movie when what, at what point in this movie because I feel like there was a point in this movie where I realized oh mm-hmm. fuck this isn't going to end well when at what point in the movie did you realize like oh like there is a moment where I realized she's not getting out of here um, this mm-hmm. isn't this isn't going to end when, when was that for you in the movie when, when did you realize like oh yeah like this isn't she she's not surviving this I or, think when Brett dies and uh, not Brett um, when uh, Steve dies and then also when the uh, kid gets set on fire, like that was kind of the point of no return for me. It was just like, there's, there's, there's no way a movie this brutal is going to have a happy ending. Mm. No, I, um, that's exa- I was going to say the exact same point, that exact same <laughs> moment. Is what, yeah, when, when the kid gets thrown on the fire, I'm like, yeah, she's not going ramble on these kids. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And like, I, again, the movie did a great job in terms of I want to... I want this to have a happy ending. I want so badly for this to happen. But uh, it was just like when the party scene came along and like the movie, I, I checked and there was like 15 minutes left in the movie. And I was just like, yeah, this is, this is not going to end well for anybody. <laughs> well, I think that's interesting too. Cause like as much as I would like, again, as much as I was like, yeah, get, get, you killed Michael Fassbender. You deserve to be murdered by this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we also do have that cultural, and again, I think that's part of what what the issue is with uh, Steve's characters. We have this cultural, uh, you know, killing kids in movies, even if in their in this case they are the aggressors and the murderers, is still not something that would really fly. I feel like in a movie, like it's very rare that I think we get a movie where kids just get brutalized by an adult, um, <laughs> regardless of what they did. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do find that again, I think that find that really interesting. That I think that you know, even if if we were to get that, would it be as satisfying as I'm imagining? Because when the kid gets stabbed in the throat, I wasn't I wasn't satisfied. You know, when when Maisie Williams got run over by a car, uh, you know, again it was satisfying because it was you know it was a one hit. And it was like a, you know it was painless. You didn't have to see a kid get killed really, but you know even seeing her body, they're like, oh god, yeah, she's still kind of a kid. Uh, and again, she was she was again one of the more passive kids. She actually didn't actually hurt anybody. Um, so um, I do find it interesting that those were the two kids who died. Like all the ones who got hurt were the ones who were soft to a degree, quote unquote, <laughs> um, yeah. who sympathized with her. Um, and again, I think that, that it is interesting that, like, you know, we, you know, in society, you know, you don't, you don't, you can't do anything to the kids, but then at the end, the teacher still is one who gets destroyed by it. Um, um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, yeah, when, when that little boy got thrown in there, I was like, fuck, this is, this is not going to end <laughs> in a good way. It's like this, this movie is not holding any punches. This is going to be, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. So, yeah, um, on that front, absolutely. Um, mm. But overall, I just, the themes it puts across in terms of just like the class warfare, quote unquote, um, in terms of, I, I think you hit a really pertinent point on the head where you were talking about how Michael Fassbender just doesn't 
can't communicate. Like they're, they're, they're so much culturally different between him and these kids and this town in general, not, not even the kids, the town in general, uh, that um, it's uh, kind of all over the place. And I think that just is the main conflict in this movie. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. understanding each other, not understanding the situation, each other's situations. Yeah, it's, it's almost like Children of the Corn. Is it Children of the Corn? Um, there's a Stephen King story where, like, where it, it, the whole thing is about them. Somebody coming from the city going out to the... Maybe it's Children of the Corn where... Like, obviously, that was, that was Gatlin and the he walked by the rose and murder and whatnot. But I feel like there's also an element of that, of, like, they they went to the small town and just assumed that, like, there would be structure and police and stuff that they could kind of rely on. Uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, there, there, were, there were steps they could take to exact justice in a societally acceptable way um, that were not there for them. Um, yeah. But I, I, I have a question for you. How do you feel about these kind of movies? Like, I don't know. Again, The, the Mist, I'm slightly more okay with because it's monsters. And so mm-hmm. I don't feel as, like, sad about it. Or not sad, but, like, down. But I was, th- I was thinking about the other day. I was, I was watching uh, this anime. Uh, and I was thinking about, like, what I really like about anime a lot of the times, um, you know, other than some of the more grim. I think, you know, kind of what kind of makes these grim, dark series uh, is when that kind of moral compass or the the deserving of death, you know, that, that can appear, or like, you know, the coding of characters, like we get the tropes in like a Friday the 13th movie. Um, to me, I've, I've kind of realized how that provides a safety net for me and I watch a movie where like, this person, you know, broke the rule, so they'll die. This person did this bad thing, so they'll, they'll mm-hmm. die. And I think, you know, movies like um, The Strangers, and this movie really kind of subvert that idea where people who didn't do anything wrong are getting victimized. And the people who are enacting these uh, acts just get off scot-free um, and like I think for me that is a really disturbing idea and um, and you know I think it's something that you know, comes with growing up is that you realize that you know things aren't always fair and there's an always a good a good guy surviving um, but I was watching an anime and I was like wow that's like that's the kind of like what makes some of these like shonen series really fun and like enjoyable is that you like you know you generally know that people the good characters will survive the bad characters will die and if a good character dies I'll go out doing something good or you know something like that um, mm-hmm. And you know, and you know, and even like Stephen King stories, and um, you know, some really in, in good writing usually, like they'll, they'll really flesh out these bad characters to kind of get their motivation. Like you know, in Thanos, we get kind of where he's coming from, even if it's got there's flawed logic in it. You kind of see what he's doing. So if he wins, you're not like, oh man, a bad guy won. You're like, okay, guy with motivation. I see, like you know, kind of where he's coming from. But in like series like this, where like movies like this, where like the it is a pure villain who just gets the upper hand on people who, you know, aren't good <laughs> mm-hmm. um, always kind of leaves a seeking feeling in my stomach to a degree um and you know i, I think that i think i've like even like modern politics i've kind of realized like i mean there are just bad people out there aren't there uh, but i think for a long time like my childhood's kind of been like not always kind of seeing like there's not a bad person there's you know there's there's layers to it and yada 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 um so like i don't know how do you how do these kind of grim dark uh, the grim dark is the way i think about it like in terms of like, fantasy endings feel for you like how do you how do you feel about them? Like, can, can you take a number of them or do you kind of have to take a break from them after you watch it's one? It's a very broad question. Um, definitely, like, I don't want to see another movie like this for a while, honestly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think I have some, I need some time to kind of sit on it. Um, I think my biggest thing is, again, media is an art form and art has to have some sort of purpose to it, whether it's to entertain or to tell a message or anything like that. And these types of movies, I feel I'm more interested in them if, there's some sort of message displayed mm-hmm. with it. Like that's that's honestly most of what I've been thinking of about this movie is just what has what was the director trying to say in this one? Was it was it trying to you know kind of 
give insight into the class divide between you know lower and upper class or middle class or was it more so of a uh, exploitation of oh you know these people are the worst and if you vote for Tories we'll make them go away or something like that um like that that that's honestly more curious more interesting to me personally um mm-hmm. but definitely I, I these types of movies i do need to take a break from for a little bit because I mean, slashers have a million rules, like, and they're predictable to a fault, uh, or they can be at many, many times. Um, and that is kind of what makes them fun. Is mm-hmm. there are a set of rules that they kind of abide by, and when they subvert those rules, it's usually in a way to make it more fun or more interesting. Like it's a ton in cheek. Yep, yep. We we see we see you watcher. We know what your uh, what you uh, what the rules are and what you're interested in. Like the whole scream movies are based around that premise. Um, Hmm. But I mean, I, I guess the question is then, you know, is it what is the purpose of this movie? Is it to entertain in a fun way? Is it to entertain in a meaningful way? Is it to entertain and tell a message at the same time? And um, variety is the spice of life, honestly. Um, hmm. But for this particular example, yeah, I think I would <laughs> take a break from something this heavy for quite some time, which uh, is good because from what I hear, this is like one of the most depressing horror movie endings ever. So <laughs> well, there aren't too many I- like this one. But I like what you brought up there too, because I think like there, I feel like there is a trend now. Um, I feel like there, I don't know, there's like a, a thirst to a degree, and currently at our point in time for these kind of like shocker endings or these depressing endings. But I looked at you pointed out that like it's not that this is like a shocker ending, but it's like I said, it's a meaningful ending. It's it's saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, what, what that could be is a little unclear, but I do think there is a message, and that's why that, that's why this movie kind of succeeds in that grim darkness. Because I feel like some people could like, you know, some people write like, you know, Dream Darkness just to be metal and like, oh, everyone dies. Yes. It's meaningless. And, and I'm that's so dumb. glad you brought up that point because, <laughs> yes, if it's I, we've talked about this before in this podcast, but like uh, Warren Ellis, I think it was Warren Ellis. Gar, no, Garthiness. Garthiness did uh, Crossed, which is like just zombie edgelord the whole time through. And like that does nothing for me. Um, but it is. Um, yeah. Like there has to be some sort of meaning behind it, not just gore for the sake of gore. Mm-hmm. Or grim, dark depression for the sake of depression. So yeah, it's like let's be fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. Yes, uh-huh. like I can't remember. There, there's a series like that. I can't remember what it was. Uh, Human centipede. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there was one that I can't remember, but you know, it's like it's like that criticism that people have of Saw sometimes, where um, and I, I think that Saw some movies are gold, some movies are probably just more for the expectation, the shock value. Um, Maybe some Eli Roth movies. Maybe I think Eli Roth. Like I, I think he's. A, I think he's a very smart guy. And if you listen to the interviews, but I think some of the films he's produced, or some of the uh, Cabin in the Woods films, I do feel like are a little not Cabin in the Woods. Um, Cabin Fever movies that are a little bit just shock for the sake of shock. Um, mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> yeah, no, I think I, I, I just said I like the point you made. I think that's. Um, you know, I think that, especially, and I notice, again, in anime, sometimes I notice that where there just tends to be grim, dark, or just, like, focusing on needless blood and gore, but, like, for no real purpose, just to be, like, edgy, and, like, oh, my God, look where we went. Um, but, was it Goblin Slayer, maybe? Oh, Goblin, Goblin Slayer was fucked up. Yeah, yeah that, that was weird. That was really, yeah, that, that was, see, that, that was, I feel like that, that was part of it. That was being depraved for the sake of being depraved. I feel like uh-huh. it, doesn't, it doesn't really, seeing that person get sexually assaulted by a goblin was, was not necessary in the movie yeah and then you got something <laughs> um, like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum is berserk where either just like the horror and violence which is so beautiful or serves a purpose and like demonstrating how fucked up the world is and how messed up the world is so yeah, th- th- yeah. there's a big difference in that front no there, there really is i, I agree yeah yeah. It's, it's like, yeah when you do it with like care and with reason and purpose there's it's good but when you just decide to 
make things dark or make a twist ending. It's I, I feel like it's like you know like how a lot of horror movies are like um, even some of the ones like Sinister they have that like jump scare at the end where Bagul gets you and it's like oh Bagul gets them all in the end but it's like but the reason that, that that's a stinger at the end is because if you did that in the actual movie people are like what the fuck this is a story about good triumphing over evil or family or whatnot and have the guy just kill them at the end doesn't really show that um, mm-hmm. so that's why it's a stinger but like, it would be like that it'd be like having it would be like taking a movie and putting taking a movie that has a story arc. And then having the stinger at the end be everybody dies just for the sake of wiping the slate clean. But I feel like in this one, the death at the end serves the meaning of the movie. And that's why it, and that's it, makes why it succeeds. Sense. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing, too. Like, the movie was building up. You could see it foreshadowed. It, it, it makes sense in the context of the story in terms of what happens. So Yeah. I don't like it, it but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my other question, my last question for you, uh, my just questions I had, I had wondering, did you think, before Michael Fassbender was lit on fire, did you think he was going to make it? Yes, yeah. I honestly did like because he escaped once before, and I was just like, okay, they're you know, they're, they're gonna do something like this is gonna be the I like up that moment I was just like, okay, this is the moment where we're gonna break free and they're gonna start fighting back, and that's what the third act is going to be. But no, it completely went the complete opposite direction. So well, yeah, when she woke up chained to him next on that tree stump, I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like Mike, mm-hmm. you, you you were safe. What happened? Um, oh, and also, did did you know little kid was was betraying her, the boy? Um. Yes, but not right away. Like when he was talking about the games on his phone and that sort of thing, I was just like, "Okay, this kid is not taking this seriously enough." And then I was just like, "Okay, yeah, they're definitely something's wrong here." Dude, as soon as uh, as soon as she was like, "Shouldn't we go on this way?" He's like, "No, this way's faster." I was like, "You fucking son of a bitch, you liar!" Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even then, like, I feel bad for him because just like he's got no agency whatsoever so yeah he's just another kid who's bullied it's weird that they kill him though because they, they already have him implemented so like God, the same so the same like dirt he has on the other kids they have on him but i guess maybe they, they realize that like that video shows him being coerced into laying a guy on fire so mm-hmm. um i guess it's not that big of a deal uh but yeah that was that that was insane um it's also so weird how many kids are like nah man we cut this guy up but at this point like fire's too much i was like you guys Literally shoved yeah. a like like when they shoved that box cutter in his mouth. I was like, oh my god, Michael Fassbender now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great, great. Yeah. Like that that scene is harrowing, but very well done. Like that. Like if you talk about like memorable scenes, the scene of the scene of all the boys uh, being forced to stab Michael Fassbender in various ways uh-huh. is crazy, but like so well executed and like to the point that I get I did, it wasn't even grossed out by it. I was just like fascinated by like the way that they scripted it. Um, very well done. Like. Just yeah, just just a good like what what could have been a very gruesome and like dumb torture porny scene. I feel like was really effective, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Definitely. Any any other points you want to talk about? Uh, no, not really. Um, if you are interested in seeing this movie, I definitely would recommend it. But again, just uh, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's a rough one. <laughs> it's a depressing yeah. one. But um, definitely, we're gonna try something for a little bit more lighthearted next time. <laughs> uh, Boogeyman, right? Oh yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, it's not from the short story and from my further reviews, it's not very lighthearted. But uh, I mean, I I have been waiting for an adaptation of Boogeyman for for like ten fucking years. Um, yeah. There've been a lot of dollar, excuse me, dollar babies on it, which I've like. There's a Stephen King fest every year, and I I always watch because I feel like every year somebody adapts Boogeyman. And every year it's not great. Um, so the idea that they finally got a theatrical version. Um, is very exciting for me, um, uh-huh. even if it might not be exactly what what the story is. Did you uh, hear that uh, the director of the Boogeyman wants to adapt the uh, Langoliers? Did he? What are you kidding me? 
No, uh, let me go ahead and try and see if I can find the article. I read it somewhere. Uh, but yeah, basically he was saying that he would be interested in adapting a version of the Langoliers. I'm here for it. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I I would love a shortened version of the Langoliers. The Langoliers yeah. is a pretty good story. I'm not going to lie. Like Part of this guy loves Stephen King, but I, I'm here for it. it that would be amazing. Gotcha. I want, I need that in my life. Now that you've said that. Oh, God. Sent it out a lot over to you. Yep. Awesome. Okay. I'm I am pumped for that concept. I'm ready for <laughs> it. Um, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to look into that. Um yeah, so yeah, so next one we'll do Boogeyman, which just came out in theaters. Um came yep. out the same day as Into the Spider Verse, so you know, it has some competition, unfortunately. Um we've, but, we've got you know, priorities. I mean I I I will say my wife said she'd go see Boogeyman with me, so I was like Oh great. nice. Great. Uh, she uh, refused to see Spider-Man. Nice to have someone that could see horror movies with you. I mean, it's weird because she, uh, I don't think she's that excited for it, but it was, but uh, I think she, she said she's more interested in that than Spider-Verse. Because I've been trying to get her to see okay. the first Spider-Verse uh, since we started <laughs> dating and she just doesn't watch it. Um, so, um, but I know, I, it looked, I, I'm, I'm hearing good things. So that'd be good for next two weeks from now, whenever that is, we record. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Sounds awesome. good. Well, once again, thank you so much to our opening band. That is Teddy's Atlas with the song Horror Movie Story. You can get that off the album Children of the Corn. They are good, good Canadian boys. Uh, next episode is going to be The Boogeyman. We will go ahead and release that in two weeks. In the meantime, all of you, thank you so much for listening, and stay groovy. Bye.